listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy 9to5 Entertainment System, and I know you do, James, uh, you should consider going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribing to the 90s Deluxe I Love 90s level, which gives you access to Garbage Time. What is Garbage Time? It's a bonus episode that we record after the main episode of 90s. On this episode of Garbage Time, we talk about Michael Bublé on Shrooms, the NHL All-Star Game, Hockey Talk, and Ovechkin scoring goal, and Roadhouse. But on this, the main episode, the episode you're talking about right now, we talk about the Call Obsidian Black Order, Boeing is back in the news, Vince McMahon is a monster, Mean Girls, The Musical, Blast action hero demolition man mr and mrs smith true detective night country and it's not great and then uh taylor swift conspiracy theories from fox news all this and more on 90s again bringing the physical visual comedy to the podcast medium mm-hmm. oh man <clears throat> so complete and total banter off the top i guess cold cold open banter that i just started with scott mm-hmm. i genuinely thought uh that members of the black order slash call obsidian were like old school jack kirby creations because they had such dumb names ha ah, that's funny <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were created in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're full like of that. the Ebenum, the the yeah. The characters' name are they are the the group John. Mm-hmm. They are called the Cull Obsidian slash like, the Black Order. The Cull Obsidian, like C U L L. Yes, like okay. it's 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 meant to imply they are the Midnight Slaughter. Okay. Right? right, so like right. cu- culling and dark I dig. slaughter, I dig. whatever. It's spooky, it's spooky. <clears throat> Members of them include there. Supergiant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's it. John Hickman, Donovan Hickman owns the source. Uh, Supergiant, who is I guess like the the most normal. Black okay. Swan, Black Dwarf. Remember, they're members of the Black Order. You're mm-hmm. stretching it here, just throwing black into everybody's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the names that are super super fun and sound like. Jack Kirby Insanity from the 60s. Uh, Corvus Glaive. Mm-hmm. Proxima Midnight. Nice. And the Ebony Maw. I think they should put more dark stuff in there, like Maximum Midnight Black, you know? <laughs> Just start layering them over on top. Yes, and they are and they basically are the the relaunch of Thanos. Is this Than- like it's, it's Thanos coming back after a pretty long absence of comics, right? With these guys being kind of like serving like his heralds sort of like they're, they're just like, let's, let's screw up some, screw up some planets and work well, for Galactus. Sense. After losing to a couple of super teams, he put together his own team. It is. It's, it's also kind of funny. There's some like, there's some good dialogue at one point where Thanos is like, we're going to return to earth. And like Corvus Glaive is like, Listen, Master, we, like, take over planets like nobody's business. We show up, we make demands, we kill half of them, we make any demand we want to and all that stuff. It's cool. We do that like gangbusters. You have a real bad track record going to Earth. I want, think we should reconsider. <laughs> like, Does we've he kill him that- immediately? Not, not quite. He actually takes advantage of the fact that, like, the best Avengers are in deep space fighting the fighting another threat so he's like this is how it's going to be different but i just like that the point that they're like yeah don't attack earth man we can do any other planet pick anyone like just when you go to earth it goes badly for you i like that they like drew attention to that in story thanos is like no this time will be different the avengers are gone shows up and immediately they're like we're the new avengers and it's like still pretty high powered people like spectrum and superior spider-man and luke cage and a bunch of other people band together i'm like just because the avengers are gone doesn't mean everybody's gone thanos you big dum-dum and you don't even have any infinity stones does does his motivation do anything better than killing half of everybody is there a better Uh, story than that uh, i mean at, at this point in this story he just seems to be like he wants to be a galactic badass like it's just about like conquering and killing for the sake of conquering and killing because he knows I the mean, infinity because five of the six infinity stones are destroyed at this point so he's never gonna like hit that huh. level again so now he's just like I'm just gonna be an unstoppable force of terror in the galaxy and just do what I want. He's also always mad at Deadpool. 
He's mad what at did Deadpool do? Stole his girl. Really? <laughs> Facts. Facts. Damn. <laughs> He's like, I've destroyed half the universe for you, death. And Deadpool's like, yeah, you don't really scare me. Like, I don't die. She's like, ooh, that's hot. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I, like your, your immortality ooh. is attractive to me. <laughs> He's like, cool, let's go <laughs> hang out. And Thanos is just like, er, er, gr, gr. He marries death, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think about it in the cosmic sense. Like, how long did it take for the human population of Earth to double? Like, the last doubling was like 30-something years, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's how long his whole snap would take cosmically to be overwritten. Mm -hmm. 30 years. 30 or 40 <laughs> years, yeah. Like, on the cosmic sense, it's kind of, like, hilariously nothing. I, I sort of always wish that, like, they had just... I mean, to be fair, in the comics, he's just trying to cozy up to death with a body count which is somehow more that's kind of awesome yeah yeah like makes more sense than his like motivations in the film where he's like infinite balance or whatever else that that's stupid just being like hey baby like i want to ascend to godhood and like make death my bride that's like that's hard that's mm -hmm. badass yep <laughs> that's, that's like, cosmic yeah exactly that that is cosmic cosmic level shenaniganry like mm -hmm. uh I think that it was such an easy would have been such an easy fix to just give him a little like Dr. Manhattan-y motivation where he's like when half of the planet disintegrates the threat like a cosmic level threat will cause like world peace and like unite all of these planets against a greater force and I will bring about like I will bring peace to so many planets this way. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. And everyone you'd still have to stop him because it involves killing, you know, trillions upon trillions of people. But like that, I'd be like, oh, I'm like that gets into more like Thanos was right territory of you're like, if it's it's the same like Ozymandias scheme played out on the universal level. If every planet has half their population disappear, they need to like realize that there is essentially a malevolent God and to chill out <laughs> and be cool. <clears throat> I think that that would make a lot more sense as a motivation for a mad Titan to just be like. Like, not I'm achieving balance, but I will achieve, like, near-universal peace under the threat of me being able to do this at any time. And everyone will just be like, oh, well, all I of our know, little... All of our little gonna... like, like, you think anybody cares about Ukraine when half the population vanishes tomorrow? Like... Think, think about how people could misinterpret that, though. Isn't there a whole host of Christians who would be like, oh, no, we fucked up, we missed the rapture? And then whatever, they right? would just, they'd be sad and kill themselves. Problem solved. <laughs> oh, guys, we missed the rapture. Seriously, the MCU never leans into the fact that like people misinterpreted the snap as the rapture. Right. It seems like an obvious storyline. Uh, anyway. We have flat earthers now. Come on. They're not going to buy into this Thanos theory. Uh, <clears throat> they, I, exactly. You think they would deny, they would deny Thanos being mm -hmm. like, I've never seen an alien. Cut to footage of aliens invading New <laughs> York. <laughs> that could be faked. That's not real. That's just a video. Thor flying around. <laughs> like, Shooting his lightning hammer. Exactly. Nah. I don't believe it for a second. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, I'm, I'm literally hitting the uh, I'm in early, early goings of the Infinity event as we move into the Black Order uh, event in Marvel Snap. So, I was feeling pretty good about that. That just, like, the stars aligned for me personally. <laughs> That a comic series that was written 11 years ago is getting its special spotlight month in Snap this month. And I happened to be reading it. It wasn't even like a plan. I was just blasting through the, the Hickman stuff and, and came upon it. But anyway, so they, uh, they rename Black Dwarf. The, they rename him Cull Obsidian in the films because they thought that Black Dwarf of the Black Order, whose teammate is the Black Swan, was too much. So I think the MCU kind of... And they, so they just named, changed his name to Cull Obsidian, which was, and like, and now the Black Order is known only as the Black Order. Well, you gotta draw a line somewhere. That's where <laughs> they drew it. Right there. Exactly. Too many, too many guys with black in their name. And they're all weird aliens. I kind of wish one of the names didn't translate properly. What do you mean? Like, he thinks his name is really badass, and it's like Dust Bunny. Yeah, like just in Latin. <laughs> Or something. Just like no, in in my 
planet in my galaxy that means like death is coming for you and, yeah. and your your skin will be rendered from your body like yeah no here it's a it's a ball of fluff ah. yeah. it, it's like some rick and morty uh logic where like uh season six when they go to they have to like find another reality like really quick with the weird like because by season six it's not i don't even know if the family is still anyone in the family is related to one another by season six (laughs) right they're like rick and morty are definitely not related to whatever we know Mm -hmm. that rick is not from that universe originally uh, they, got, they died and jumped well, into another one. Yeah, they, they jumped into that one. But I'm just saying, but yeah. even that duo, we know that Rick is not from the first universe either. Yeah. And the Jerry is not... Um, yeah, the Jerry is also different because like Beth yes. likes and whatever. Anyway, I'm not sure how they how they go. So anyway, to find, find a new universe, whatever, they were like, are you sure this universe is like exactly like ours? And they were like, listen, I had to make a quick decision. And it is exactly like ours. The only thing that I really caught that was different is they say Parmesan differently. They say Parmesan. And they're like, ew, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Just Parmesan. And if you say Parmesan, people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, what's, uh, what's, what's going on in the news? We have news? an important correction. Before oh, we get to the news. Adjustments and we, corrections. We made a very big mistake. We were talking about Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. We talked about the first Mario Brothers. And we didn't think about Super Mario Brothers, the arcade version. I don't think they were Super then. but They might not have been Super, but they were definitely the Mario Brothers, where it was like mm-hmm. an arcade smash-em-up. Turtles coming out of the pipes. It was like one screen, kind of yeah, a la yeah. Gallagher. Mario Brothers. Not, not, yeah. not Gallagher. Yeah. But we like we talked for like a whole 20 minutes about this. I was listening to the podcast. Maybe maybe I was editing it two podcasts ago when we did this, and I forgot to mention it last time. It's It bothered me. It bothered me that we didn't mention that one. Uh, we said the second Mario Brothers was Doki Doki Panic, but it was definitely not. That was the third one. Yeah. That was the second on, Super Mario Brothers. It was the second. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. That's our, our, one, our one desperate claim to have not fucked that up is that we were only talking about super mario brothers exactly that's it the regular mario brothers just i don't know they didn't even get big <laughs> didn't they no oh, you're just little with a pow button hmm. the pow button hmm. yeah you don't get big but you have a pow thing to to knock everybody over if you want hmm. okay anyway in the news jangly. i totally forgot to bring this up i was like excited to get into this and there was never a good spot to put it in so the like latest update on the 737 max malarkey Mm-hmm. You guys followed any of this? The door that burst yeah. open over Alaska? Yeah, so yes. a couple of years ago, 737s got in the news for uh, falling out of the sky because their, uh, their like, uh, what do you call it, like pilot assistance program was out of whack and the pilots didn't know that it was working and it got, it got totally screwed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like four weeks ago, I want to say March 10th. No, that's the wrong one. That's the future. The, the, anyway, no, Air, 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 Air Alaska. Yeah, Air Alaska. So it was actually January 5th. So January 5th, the um, uh, a door plug popped out of a 737 MAX that was in flight. Mm-hmm. And there were like people like not sitting right in front of it, like totally by chance. There was nobody sitting right there. But in the, in the, in the place behind, a kid was almost sucked out and the mom had to hold on to him. And the Air Force was so violent, it ripped the kid's shirt off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out the story was there's all these like, you know, so a door plug is, is there could be a door there, but they didn't decide to install the door. So they put like a thingy to, to fill up the hole. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. They didn't put the bolts in properly to hold the door plug there. So as soon as the pressure got to be enough, it just popped right the right out. Boop. Yeah. This is a good story. Cause it's, um, it's like 20 years in the making. There's a whole history behind McDonnell Douglas. I don't know how much, or McDougal, one of them. Uh, Douglas, that was um, when you said Bowie. it, it pushed the real one out of my McDougal. Out of my head. It's McDougal. Uh, McDougal, MCD. Anyway, the um, the good story in there that keeps getting pointed back to on Hacker News is how the you know McDonnell Douglas bought McDonnell Douglas with Boeing's money, so they got they got merger takeovered by Boeing back McDonnell in, McDonnell McDonnell Douglas. Yeah, they got they got bought out with Boeing's money. Boeing bought them, and then all like the senior executives from McDonnell Douglas took over their seats at Boeing, and kind mm-hmm. of annihilated Boeing's famous engineer culture, turned them into like a profits first machine. The end result of which, of course, is this kind of insanity. 
What's the good the good story? The good story is that uh, Boeing is approximately one percent of the entirety of the American economy, and when you cancel several thousand seven thirty seven Max orders, it has like long reaching, decade spanning, fucking messed up effects on mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Cool. I don't know if that's a good story. It's kind of not. You know, you know, it sounds like it's a bad story. I, yeah, I, but it's been like back in the news since January. I really enjoyed how people who lost their phones um, were able to find the trail of wreckage because they were using Find My Phone, and it was just boop, GPS popping up, a whole bunch of them. I'm pretty sure an, uh, an iPhone, Find My Phone, survived the, the like being sucked yeah. out of the yeah, air. Yeah, no, no, a bunch of them did. A bunch of them did, and that, that's part of the, the tracking process they used because they all gave, like... Real precise GPS coordinates. <laughs> Can you imagine just being on that plane? You're just like, goddamn. I mean, like, the door flying out is horrifying. Decompression, the flight starts going down. Everybody thinks they're going to die. Everybody's screaming. I, I, the, the other two were probably worse, not because they involved people dying at the end, but because the like the final minutes of flight on the Lion Air and the um, – what was the other one? I don't remember. Lion Air was one of them. And they, they like, the, the pitch of the, like, auto control, autopilot thing made them go up and down and up and down and up and down for, like, five or eight minutes or something before finally they lost control and crashed. So you knew so things many were people, like, flew out of their horrible. seats and got broken yeah. arms and smashed up and whatever yeah. else, as yeah. opposed to probably the relatively instantaneous death of, like, hitting a mountain. Right. <laughs> or whatever, you know, like... <clears throat> yeah, you're like, no, five to ten minutes of getting barreled into by a truck as it bounces up and down. Mm-hmm. Blah, yep. the worst. That's it. That's anyway. the story. <laughs> anyway, Boeing's <laughs> back in the news. Speaking of uh, billionaire industries going sideways, World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> Did uh, so uh, uh, I would we, we the on so yeah exactly. I don't think we're gonna. D- d- John, we avoided talking any? about this on Go Plug Yourself. John, did you read any Here of the comes. report? Nope. It was what a, happened? Don't. Oh, God. Um, something something about What's-His-Face McMahon uh, is back. A lawsuit was filed. shitting on someone? Yeah. Yep. yep. I mean, without, without getting overly into it, yep. A lawsuit <laughs> was filed <laughs> by someone who alleges... That includes that exact accusation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that accused Vince McMahon and other people in world wrestling entertainment of sexual abuse, sex trafficking, sex trafficking physical abuse, verbal abuse, uh, and released a 67 page documents that included telephone screenshots of conversations that they had with Vince and where he caught all this. Well, he doesn't necessarily cop to it, but cert- certainly implies scheduling her for sex for other people, coercing her to have sex with other people, like, and and also just like the most like derogatory, demeaning stuff you can possibly think about saying to a woman who is fifty years younger than you. Is, is she his employee or one of the like wrestlers? So, is that- so the set the setup is uh, the year is the summer is twenty summer of twenty nineteen. Uh, she has recently lost her job and is a little bit at her wit's end. She lost her job or uh, quit or lost her job to take care of her sick parents and her sick parents have died. So now she's like about as like emotionally and financially uh, compromised, I think, as like a person can get. Right. You're just like, I just did all of this shit to try to take care of my parents. I gave them as long as they could. They've passed on. Now I'm jobless and parentless. Uh, She lives in a building that Vince McMahon lives in the penthouse of. The building manager says, like, hey, I know Vince McMahon. Maybe he could get you a job. She's like, okie doke. That sounds amazing. And he does. And he could have just stopped there and been a weird scumbag billionaire who sleeps with a 20-year-old because he hooked her up financially. He could have just been a scummy dude. Wait, wait. So she sleeps with him for money? That's what the start of this is? I guess so, yeah. Sleeps with him for money, sleeps with him for a job. There's absolutely position of power going on, but I'm like, but that could have just been scumbag billionaire stuff. Okay. The the, the pooping on her and sex trafficking, all that stuff, is happening as early as March 2020. Like, eight months later. Like, broke this woman into a million little pieces, as I think only a megalomaniac billionaire can do. Like, I don't even... Like, usually when you hear about a lot of these, like, grooming scenarios, it's years and years, not, like, months and months to have her just be a completely broken person 
just at his beck and call, pimping him out, pimping her out to talent, to other executives, to all this and that. And like, and the text messages show like pretty clear reluctance on her part. And he's like, no, baby, you love it. And like, it's just the grossest, grossest stuff you and, can imagine. And, and what, make, could, what he, makes all... No, no, no. And he paid her off for all of this. Like all of these allegations... But, but no, but he didn't. Well, that's the it. Messed they, up part. She signed an NDA uh, and settled for this out of court. And the reason this lawsuit was was filed was because he stopped making the payments. Like and and the, and the sum was apparently about three million dollars, and he stopped paying after one. And I was like, you knew it was bad, and you tried to pay for it to go away. And then you were also an insane bad guy to be like, I also don't need to pay for this. Like. Uh-huh. I don't need to pay for my transgressions, even though I won't be actually paying for my transgressions because I settled out of court. I don't even need to like pay the money that I paid so that I don't have to pay my, for my transgressions. So she's like, basically it's... suing saying he voided the NDA and here's all the details. Mm-hmm. And this is all like real well legal advised, right? She didn't just like scribble this onto some loose leaf and send it to the newspapers. Yeah, like, like this, these, these 60 article thing is like written. It's like her lawyer who prepared this statement and it's that's now out in the filings of the case. And they're not putting this stuff out without like hoping it'll be go through the court system. Like they, they know. They know all these screenshots mm-hmm. are, are legit. They, they know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what's, the, what's the fallout so far? Well, so far the TKO, who's the company that now owns UFC and WWE, have already removed him previously last year from any kind of uh power position uh-huh. like he is on i think he was on as a as a cons like a consultate consultation contract thing whatever else like that like he was on a special special consult and that's it no and he was a board <laughs> so member. they they just huh he was, a, was he still he a, board a board member, member. okay either way they were just like immediately like he doesn't have anything to do with the day-to-day operations and get out of here. Uh-huh. And they were. And then he all. resigned his position <laughs> on the board. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And he resigns immediately afterwards. Like, but so from, a day, from a day-to-day perspective, for a day, yeah, from a day-to-day perspective, it's like doesn't change anything. He was already off TV. He was no longer like backstage. He wasn't like doing anything for the most part, apparently. It implicates obviously, namely John Laurinaitis. <clears throat> who is the is other it? who's named as a defendant uh also it implicates a lot of other people like someone who is a wrestler but also a ufc fighter we won't name him Uh-oh. wink like pretty pretty spelled out there um but yeah john laurinaitis used to be a former wrestler uh is married to the bella twins mother who were like big uh big diva stars daniel bryan's wife's mom if you're f- keeping track of the weird family tree. But yeah, he was definitely involved in a lot of it. And apparently like, like, like double, double teamed her, uh, in an office with Vince with saying stuff like no means yes. And, and, and just like the absolute skeeziest scummiest kind of stuff you could imagine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is, is this the time that things catch up with Vince McMahon? No, he's going to die before the, the trial trial comes out. No, the no 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 no. Here's the darkest timeline. It goes it goes to trial. He is found guilty of things. And then he gets a presidential pardon from his buddy Teflon Don. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is the absolute darkest timeline. Oh, that's that's not wholly impossible considering how much Vince liked to bring his buddies in on everything. Oh yeah. I was like, that's also, man, the only thing that makes the story any more like 2024 would be if like at one point Donald Trump is implicated in the human trafficking. Not impossible. Like, and it's not impossible. Like, like that weird billionaire sex trafficking Epstein stuff. And you're like, yeah, it can, it can get there. I feel like easily without it being a crazy stretch. Well, Ugh, Linda McMahon served on... Republican fundraisers, yeah, a, super PACs. No, but, but not, not just sort of super PACs. She, 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 she held an office. Yeah, she was also like ran for Senate. Like she's a big time yeah, Republican. Yeah, but that's a, but, yeah, wasn't she part of was she part of Trump's cabinet or someone? She was minister something, or something under somebody. 
Totally could happen. Anyway. Yep, 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 yep. It's gross, and, and it's gross. <laughs> and like I said, I guess I get, it's it's... It's one of those things that you were like, oh, Vince McMahon is in the like uh, like in the wrestling chat. Like Vince McMahon is in the news again, and like you know it's going to be awful, and yet somehow it was still shocking how awful. Like it was unreadable. Like, it was unreadable. It was Caligula the movie. It was just ugh. yeah, bonkers. Like because you're like, oh, I know it's going to be. I listened to the six hours behind the bastards, whatever else like that, and have known about. Like this is the this is the guy who. In a Playboy interview, which is supposed to just be like a fluff piece, is like talking or bragging about shoving leaves inside of his cousin in a sexual manner. Like this is this is that guy, and like and the bar was so low, and somehow he was like, "Let's let's descend a little further." Yeah, <laughs> let's make it shocking now. Yeah. And so yeah, the other question too, I think it was or I think it was is T Chad who or was it? I don't know. I don't know who it was. It was just sort of like, I'm going to play an, a billionaire scumbag on television. I just have to tone down my real personality. For <laughs> like usually, Yeah, usually, you know, like wrestling personas are like, take that element about you and like crank it up. And that, that's how you like find your wrestling persona. Apparently, evil billionaire Vince had to just like tone himself down to be palatable on television. Like the Kiss My Ass Club is an absolutely toned down version of what he was probably up to mm-hmm. in his real life. The Kiss My Ass Club was sometimes if you got in trouble, you could get your job back by Vince McMahon pulling down his pants and showing bare old man ass on television and then kissing his butt on television. So that would that would that would get you your job back. This, that was this part... is the heel Vince, right? Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is bad, bad. Yeah, exactly. But so that's what he's pretending to do on television. <laughs> like I said, a toned down version of what he was probably doing to people for their real jobs he was doing in his make-believe let's, let's evil talk boss. about anything else uh movies you guys watch any movies i did i watched movies. the uh the new uh musical version of mean girls okay coming out in theaters theaters everywhere how was it uh, it's fine it doesn't really need to exist sorry mean girls <laughs> So shortly after Mean Girls came out, uh, it became a Broadway musical, and they put in a bunch of songs. I know this is essentially a filmed version of that, with uh, Renee Rapp. I want to say is kind of the. Can I say I, I just don't know what Mean Girls is? Oh, really? What? Tina Fey written, what directed, directed. Yeah, I've definitely written, but like it was like one of her like Lindsay Lohan star- breakout Lohan. movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. Burn book. It is really yeah. good. Super funny. <clears throat> it's like is, uh, is it, Lindsay Lohan a mean girl, or, or, or are they mean to her? They're mean to her. Well, but then she's mean to the mean girls, and that's the lesson. Oh, is that who twist. is the true? Who are the true mean girls? I see. They yeah, it's, it's actually it's 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 pretty good. It's like in yeah. that yeah in a in, in 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 a smart like it still gets to be like kind of operating in like raunchy teen comedy, but with actually. Maybe a bit of a message about is it like, teen comedy in the Thirty Rock zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the, yeah. some of the yeah some of like the, the writing and stuff is pure Tina Fey, which is why I thought you would maybe have heard of it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's it's very well written and clever and smart. I uh, heard of it many times. I just never never like. Yeah, it's never, it's never not heard. like it is definitely also aimed at at as a teenage comedy. It's not necessarily aiming to be as like as highbrow or like as like something like Thirty Rock is. There isn't as much going on. As a Thirty Rock, but it's still written clearly by the person who wrote Thirty Rock. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, so I think the biggest mm, fault of the Mean Girls musical is that the songs are not great. I literally can't really remember any of them. So I was like, so you just made the movie forty-five minutes longer with songs and didn't change too many of the jokes, and I can't remember any of the songs. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess like unnecessary. Like, Exactly. That's it. If if the songs were good, and if you're someone who's like, I really love the songs of the Broadway musical or whatever, I'm sure you'll have a ton of fun. But I literally cannot remember the tune of any of the songs. It it sounds like a bad improv episode, like a bad improv show. Maybe, but with a good script because the jokes are still funny, and also yeah, it doesn't. It also weirdly doesn't like tag up, like modernize any of the jokes and stuff too much, like which is kind of weird. Like they still do the the feeding her calteen bars to like make her fat to fat shamer, and I was like, but they're the good guys, 
and now it's 2024, so you're really going to do the she got fat? And it's Renee Rep, who's kind of like a curvy... Renee Rep, is that right? Am I saying... Is it Something Rep is her name. The She's like a pop star. Uh, who also who played uh, who played what's her face played the bad guy in the Broadway thing that was one of her like breakout performances. Anyway, so like she's like a curvy singer anyway. So then you're still gonna do the ha we fit we fed her a bar to make her fat. Like I was like you you could have written yourself out of the fat shaming storyline in 2024. You could have like made it something else, but you're like nah, we're still doing it. We're doubling down. Hmm. Anyway, doesn't seem right. Yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, the jokes are still funny, like get in loser and all that stuff is all there. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if 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 it like it kind of it weirdly had me thinking about the um, one of our worst movies of all time on the list, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like the made for TV thing where I was just like, mm-hmm. why does this exist? <laughs> At least the Rocky Horror Picture Show on TV thing had like good songs. Like, that was the only thing it kind of had going for it, because the music was pretty good and everything else about it was bad. But yeah, Mean Girls has an over a two-hour runtime, and I think the movie is an hour and a half. So it's literally padding out the movie with, like, 45 minutes of singing and dancing when the singing and dancing is forgettable. That's a big commitment to Mean Girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I said, maybe it'd be more fun as an actual Broadway play or whatever, but uh, as a movie, meh. But on the other hand, I then watched a good question mark movie from 1993. You know, I had the soundtrack to that movie on my in my cassette collection. Cassette? Are you, are no. you just making that assumption? Yeah. No, I, I know which movie you watched. You How? told us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you said podcast tomorrow. I watched this movie. <laughs> Yay! I watched Last Action Hero. It is what a weird... one of the last good action parody movies. Like right it's, up until it's not, maybe it... Starship Troopers. Action parody though is weird because parts of it does take itself seriously. I was like telling this to Sarah. I was like, I remember enjoying subversive, this as a kid. Subversive action. Yeah, but also like unapologetically weird as hell. Like in addition, in addition to it being like weird action, like like the Grim Reaper is a character that exists not in the movie world, but in the real world. Look, if <laughs> if if you ha- if you don't at some point or another question whether it's a satire, it's not a real satire. Like for it to be a, for it to be good, you have to be somehow doubting it sometimes. Maybe I think it's very smart, but I, I was telling Sarah I was like I like this movie when it came out. I like this movie when I watched it in high school. I like this movie when I'm watching it now. And I think that a lot of me enjoying this movie comes from the same fat place where I unapologetically enjoy Southland Tales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, if you make something that is just wildly weird as hell, I will be like, I can watch this again and again, even though it makes no sense. And tons of it is absurd and insane. It's been decades since I saw it, but I would still kind of rank it above Southland Tales. Just Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's much more coherent than Southland Tales. Yeah. I guess slightly. It, it is unbelievably long. Well, not unbelievably long. It's two hours and 10 minutes, which I'm sure at the time felt freaking forever mm-hmm. in the era of like 70 minute action runs mm-hmm. and stuff. But like it still felt long because it's like multiple movies kind of jammed into each other, right? Like Like the first movie is like, this kid in New York who's down in his luck and watching a movie theater. Then he gets pulled in and there's like an entire adventure in the Jack Slater verse, which is an over the top nineties action vehicle. And then the third act is back in the real world. But like, there's like multiple action set sequences in the action movie world. Then there's multiple action set sequences like in the real world too. It's bananas and featuring what's his name? The guy who plays Tywin Lannister. As Charles Dance. Yeah, he's great. Also, (laughs) think think about that. That That's more than thirty years ago, and he's yeah still playing the same character, with the same voice tones and the same delivery. He also is he's at max level, you know. Right, you max out, you don't change. Also, it's quite clear that he's like the best actor on screen in every moment of Last Action Hero. In some ways, the fact that he looks right at the camera to tell you with his eyes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, but that's because he becomes aware of the audience yeah. 
because he realizes he's in a movie. So he starts to like mug to camera. But I'm like, wait, is there a camera? Oh, it's so good. He has a little special bomb in his eye. When you twist the bomb, the eye explodes. There's everything. There's an actual cartoon talking cat. Amazing. Which has the greatest line of dialogue in the film, whatever, where like the, the kid is like, I could prove this is a movie. That's an animated cartoon cat. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, of course, he's Colonel Whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, a cartoon cat walked into the, walked, like, like, just walked into the precinct and he'll do it again tomorrow. This is his job. <laughs> and then like an hour later when they're in like a bind or whatever like a bad guy gets shot in the head and he's like thank you whiskers i knew you'd bail me out and the cartoon cat's like no problem <laughs> like, and just jumps away the, an important historical fact to remember is like in terms of schwarzenegger's career this is the movie that came out next after t2 mm-hmm. right like he followed up his biggest action movie like i am now Probably the his best movie be- like up until that point and since yeah and like the movie that made him no. not action really? movie star what's, what's, to superstar what's a be- what's a better schwarzenegger movie than terminator 2 conan yeah but i but, like conan yeah. plenty is it better than terminator 2 but conan yeah. is is like jean claude van damme's bloodsport like you you can love that movie and not think that Schwarzenegger is Hollywood star, is like transcendent star. Sure. And like yeah, Conan, comes he, Conan could still be like could still be played by like a B movie muscle man and still be a pretty fun film. It would not be as transcendent as it is. And you're forgetting how rough Terminator Two is. There's some there's some some bad performances in that fucking movie. And it's it's a magnificent film, but it is, it's it's hardly oh, a flawless. You're saying that everybody's everybody was just hitting home runs in terms of the acting levels in Conan. But you can give no, it a no, pass no, no. in Conan. I'm, I'm not going to say that. Not what it's about. No, no, no. I'm not going to say that it's it's a transcendent movie. I'm I'm going to say it is a, a pop culture phenomenon in the way that Conan wasn't. That's definitely true. Definitely yeah, true. It was definitely his biggest yeah. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's going to and, and I'm saying might be his best. Like, I don't really know might what be. else. It's on the short list, if nothing else. And it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it changed Schwarzenegger from like, now I'm on David Letterman after Johnny Carson to like, I'm on the Today Show whenever I want. And then he goes and makes okay, Last okay, Action Hero. I think Hero. everybody thought Last Action Hero was going to do even bigger, right? Mm-hmm. It's John McTiernan yeah. at the height of his powers, fucking screenplay, Shane Black. Like, it, it had everything in place to go. There was an ad uh, for it on the to, space shuttle. They painted yeah, Last Action Hero huge. onto one of the rocket boosters. The best. What a, and what a hilarious miss. But that I think, like, gained an audience as it, as it went on. I think I, I, it did a lot, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Starship Troopers. I feel, I feel Last Action Hero is not necessarily quite as, like, fun satire as Starship Troopers because it never really, like, it doesn't have that much to say other than action movies are silly. Like, that's the message, <laughs> as opposed to just being, like, a weird takedown of like government and military mishandling of situations, which like Starship Troopers is. It doesn't have as much to say. Specifically the first Iraq war. I mean, I think it was specifically that, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, exactly. So like last action hero didn't have as much to say, I think as like as satire. So I don't think it quite lives up to Starship Troopers hype, but it still like belongs in that same space of like movies that people just did not understand. Like what was fun about the movie and what the movie was going for. And they were just like, it's, it's a stupid. It doesn't know if it's going to be a kid, if it's trying to be a kid's movie or weird. And there's a talking cat, like the, the Italian funeral scene where everybody's pulling Uzis out from every like pocket and all that stuff. Like it's just, it's just completely bonkers at every turn. And Did your opinion of it go up or down on this rewatch? Uh, I would, I think, <laughs> and again, maybe this is just a function of, of, marvel superhero fatigue but like every time a movie clocks in over two hours i was like this could use some editing like oh especially the third act yeah like it doesn't need that much havoc happening in the real world Mm -hmm. like it just goes on that's it's a flaw the best it has the best line in the film though it can still have the best line baby bobby bumpers I bet you didn't think I was going to say that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the kid's just calling out all his taglines in advance. I'll be back. 
you didn't know I would say that. That's actually the main thing you say. (laughs) (laughs) The the Uh, other thing that's weird is the character comes to the real world and like crosses paths with Schwarzenegger. Yep. they, they, They run into each other. Yeah, at the premiere of Jack Slater 4. It's wild. And he's like, you look just like me. <laughs> so, he's also, honestly, though, I, I mean, I guess this is post-Twins either also, right? Oh, yeah. Twins was 88. Yeah, yeah. So this this is, I feel, this is like, it kind of, it must have seemed like such a home run to everybody involved to be like we've we it's after kindergarten cop it's after twins mm, i don't it's know after if it's Terminator after kindergarten cop. total recall uh, it is, it is. Recall. kindergarten cop was 90 right before t2 yeah yeah so you're like this is going to be the marriage of like we know of like schwarzenegger as comedy guy and schwarzenegger as action guy and it's going to be like the biggest box office ever because it's both audiences like it's him being funny and being an action star we're just going to print money forever What's funny though is he does the same thing the next year with True Lies, but it works. I mean, it doesn't have a talking cartoon cat in it True Lies. Nineteen ninety-three was a wild Jamie year because Demolition Man also came out that year, and that's an action movie <laughs> that doesn't know what it's doing either, right? Like, it's got the three that's shells and it's got you know the super yeah, fancy yeah. Taco Bell restaurant and <laughs> the three shells. The stupid. <laughs> It's, it is one? stupid, but I said the three shells from a movie from 31 years ago, and you're like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Demolition Man, maybe. <laughs> and he swears a bunch to, to get swear tickets so then he can wipe his ass with the swear <laughs> tickets. I, I don't remember anything else other than that from, from that movie, like who the bad guy is, what the plot is. I think he just he's, he's from an, the past, and he, they unthaw him because his nemesis is back. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I remember Cry- elements of demolition man. Cryostasis uh, incarceration. So you don't remember the time passing in jail. You just wake up. But then why is but why was the cop frozen? He crossed the line to bring in the bad guy. Oh, okay. So he gets all he gets frozen as punishment. Mm-hmm. I I up until maybe like a certain point in the 2010s every element of demolition man overlapped with uh judge dread in my head <laughs> like, well understandably I mean, yeah like there's such a similar aesthetic and a similar like weird kind of like dystopian police force situation like i think they're an excellent double feature i would agree they're both i remember them both being super fun and when i rewatched them i remember them both being super fun yeah. but like until I watched them, like, at a certain point in 2010, my 90s memory of them was, like, the same movies. Like, if you had told me, like, Three Shells was a Judge Dredd thing, I would have been like, yeah, that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks for some reason. Oh, uh, man. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, Last Action Hero. Pretty, pretty rewatchable. Like, it, it, it did. The third act is a slog. And, yeah. and is so much less fun than the second act, because you're not in movie world anymore mm-hmm. or that's all the fun stuff like i really if i were to like remake last action hero i would have the like the actual final sequence be back in the movie world so that we could like crank the fun up like because like the serious like gravitas of real people and real injuries and whatever else like that like deal with that some point in the second act and then return to return to Funland to be like you're in my world now and then just go bonkers in movie world i think that's a more fun climax is it possible they tried to capture that same magic with true lies do you remember how insane the fucking finale of that movie is that like harrier jet in the fucking mall like Mm -hmm. what true lies i watched a lot of it was a good movie like it was it was one of the movies that we had like taped to vhs Mm -hmm. and it was like certainly on the on the short list of movies that i'd put in pretty often and i was like i just remember it being like just a lot of fun and like tom arnold is funny in it tom arnold, yeah. you know I, I was just thinking about this the tom arnold character is mm-hmm. almost an archetype for a lot of action movies in the 2000s not just the hapless sidekick but that the hapless funny but still kind of useful 
sidekick because he's not there in 80s action movies. That character is, is not there. That character is like the cop in Die Hard who's not, who's mm-hmm. not really funny. He's just kind of like, you know, helping him out. But like mm-hmm. the goofy tech bro, uh, I'm going to help you out, buddy. You're the, you're the big action star, but I'm here with you and I've got a gun too. That, that wasn't a thing before True Lies and whatever, 90, 95, 96. And then that character is everywhere. That character is everywhere in action movies now. That's that's like Johnny Knoxville's whole career. I was going to say like hacker sidekick though, but I was like, was it because technology had not developed to a point where hacker sidekick was even possible? (laughs) But I mean, like, like like not hacker sidekick, but like support staff. Yeah, but like, like, but it's implied that he's like he's good with electronics and all that stuff, right? Like he rewires stuff on the fly and whatever. Like that's the like he does have he does have field skills but he's like meant to be the guy in the van yeah like for the most part <clears throat> i got i don't know i get that there's like Should simon Pegg in all of the freaking mission impossible movies mission impossibles yeah yeah you know the the part that emilio estrez would have had if they didn't kill him immediately in the first five <laughs> minutes of the first one <laughs> uh, he's got to burn about that like when he's huh? going to bed he's got to see he and uh, apparently, like Tom Cruise is like remorseful about it too. <laughs> he was like, man, if I'd like, because apparently him and Emilio Estevez get along really well, and he was like, if I'd have known that it would have become like this long series, I would have stuck him around because I love working with him. <laughs> Simon Pegg's probably like, back off, Emilio. <laughs> hey, man, I, he's happy to get the paychecks. He gets to go and do whatever he wants, and he's got that Mission Impossible money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and Star Trek money. Simon Pegg took a couple real big, real big paychecks, and he just can chill out now. And none of those are even close to his best movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh man, did any? Did you watch uh, Scott Pilgrim yet? The Netflix Scott Pilgrim? No, no, no. I meant to get to it, but I haven't. Fools! I was just because I was just wondering. I was like, does when? What was has Edgar Wright done recently? Uh, He kind of, I feel, got. Once he got bounced off Ant Man, not a lot, right? Hmm. Like, yeah, I was, I was like wondering, like, what, what happened to Edgar Wright? Because last night in was... Soho, and then uh, oh, Sparks yeah. Brothers, Baby Driver. I haven't watched Baby Driver. Was fun. Yeah, <clears throat> Baby Driver is like a technical achievement. <laughs> like, I think it also drags a little in the third act. I enjoyed it a lot. I went back and rewatched it a couple of times, but I think it did need to, it needed to tighten up at the end. And there was like a couple of those scenes where there's like the music is playing to shit in the screen to 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 yeah. like text on the screen. All of it is synchronized in a, in a magic. But yeah. I don't know that that happened in the in the final action sequence or two of it. And it kind of just dragged out at the end. Yeah, I think it becomes kind of more like rote action at Absolutely. the end of it, and and, and stops being like the baby driver thing. And the romance either could have gone could could have gone somewhere a little more preposterous or needed to be toned down a bit. Like it was stuck in the middle of uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but I liked it a lot anyway. I Edgar it Wright. Last night in Soho, I didn't see it. Edgar Wright right. in development on his IMDb. A remake of 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man. Ooh. Ooh. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love that one. I love Running it's Man. Good stuff. Uh, what do you call it? Mad, Mad World on the Wii? Mm-hmm. The weird like black and white cartoon one that is just clearly ripped off from The Running Man? Like... Oh man, that's a great game. And The Running Man is a great movie. I think like that like weird weird bonkers like death sci-fi has always been a real soft spot for me. Like there isn't enough of it. Like your your death races, your running man's, your I mean I guess Mad Max kinda. Mad Max Mad Max a little bit. Like there's some death sports ish, like in Thunderdome at least. Tron. Like Tron, yeah, Tron has it also. Yeah, give me give me weird convoluted games where your life is on the line. Arena of sport. Robot jocks. <laughs> robot jocks. Yes. Exactly. Um Man, I would watch a robot jocks remake. That'd be so good. Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> like the brings the Pacific Rim treatment to robot jocks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, after they close the the void, that's the 
what else are the countries going to do with their Jaegers? Exactly. Fight each other. War is now fought with Jaegers. God, I'm here for it. On pay-per-view. And their pilots are known as <laughs> Robot Jocks. Yes. Ah, uh, man. Uh, Scott, you watched uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I watched the first episode. I watched the first episode. And I was like, this is this is a fun change. So John's looking confused. The the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie vehicle. Episode. Jennifer Aniston. Okay. No, not no. Brad Pitt. Yeah, Jolie. Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Uh, yeah. has so been, hang on, so check this out. Has been adapted into yeah. a television series on, on Prime. Uh, through, Bye. Bye. through the efforts of Donald Glover. Hiro Murai. And Donald Glover. Okay. Okay. I was out for a second. Now I'm back in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I was completely too until I was like, oh, wait. Um, I liked the first episode. I was here for, for their relationship building. And it's not my favorite thing in the world, but boy, oh boy, does it sit deep in that Atlanta, I'm going to be awkward <laughs> on screen. The weirdness of it. Yep. Yep. Did you watch Atlanta, John? No. All right. That's that's his other big TV project. It's like four or five seasons out. Is it really good? More than that. Yeah, it's incredibly good. It is, but it is a lot of a lot of like awkward and like long pauses and people kind of misreading a situation and then being like, "I'm sorry," and like backing it out. And hey, man, I have rewatched every every episode of uh, I think you should leave multiple times. So I'm I'm, well, yeah, but I think you should leave is like screaming that point at you, whereas this is like subtle. This is this is like a this could be a real conversation, and it's somehow much worse. Like. Mm Uh, my yeah, Maya Erksein, who plays the uh, the female lead, was talking about exactly, basically had John's exact reaction to that of just being like, her agent or whatever was just sort of like, yeah, so like they're we're looking at like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing and whatever, and she's like, the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie movie, and she's like, yeah, and she's like, I don't know, like if I want to do that, and they were like, it's being show run by like Hiro Murai and like Donald Glover, and then she was like immediately back in. <laughs> Like this is, this is a completely different pitch than like we're remaking the, the the premise, and it like literally flips the premise. Like the film is um, two people who are really married, and it turns out that they're actually both secret spies. It's like a true lie situation. I was just gonna it's say full circle, about this, yeah. but except where both of them are spies, but keeping their both of them are keeping their spy life apart, and then the the movie is like where their spy lives collide. Uh, I think they're hired to kill each other, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, uh-oh, the target is you and whatever else. The show is the reverse setup where it's they're already spies. And then the agency just like throws you together to act like a married couple. And that's your cover. So they give you like a house and whatever else like that. So they're like, it's this weird. There's like a lot of weird stuff of like, do we actually get to know each other? Do we keep this whole entire thing professional? That's not very believable as a cover story. So they're like doing like a, they'd have to do their first spy mission in the first episode, but you're kind of like watching them walk that weird awkwardness of like, we're both like one's like ex-military one's like ex-CIA. And now they're working for like an, an independent firm that seems to be like less scrupulous than either of them. And like Archer kind of, are they going in that territory? A maybe like we, the computer yeah, like the computer chat is pretty archer hi hi yeah like they just get a little ping of like hi hi go to this location intercept this package from this woman and drop it off at this location that's all you get and they they're like living in like a super swanky house in new york they're like perks are right here like we just gotta do our spy shit and not ask questions <laughs> and uh and yeah it's it's like i said it's even the spy shit is pretty good like they're doing like real kind of stuff. Like there's real tension mm-hmm. in the in the little mission, and now they're going to pull it off, and they're just tailing someone and doing a stakeout. It's like low stakes, not necessarily full action movie kind of stuff, but you're like that's pretty well done. While navigating the fact that these people are strangers who are trying to like, do we get to know each other? Is there a, any kind of chemistry here, or are we just partners? But like also, how are we such lonely people? to accept this job anyway, because like cutting all ties with your past life is like a part of it. Like they have, you to know, become... so you're like, who are the people that would accept this job? Yeah. It wasn't bad. I didn't do it. it was just a lot of like, hmm. it's plotting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it, it's taken its time and it's like, 
Atlanta is a really good touch point. If you enjoy the weird, like deliberate pacing of Atlanta, it, you'll be fine with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but it's not like, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the film is like a fast paced action rom-com. Like th- this is like taking a weird premise and taking the premise seriously, not saying there's no funny in it, but like it takes the premise seriously. So like, how does it get there? And how do these characters react in like an absurd, like it's an absurd situation with both characters, like reacting kind of realistically to it is where it like draws the funniness out of it without being like slapstick or heavy handed or anything like, like this is so crazy. It's not even that it's plotting. Like those awkward scenes are, are character building. There are character scenes. It's not like it's poorly written. It's just slow and quiet while still giving something to the show. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm definitely go back to it. I'm almost done with true detective series four. Uh, I thought you, yeah, I thought you binged the whole thing in one go. No, that was series three. Series four is coming out on a weekly basis. New episodes on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I think I might have. I will have just potentially next tune in next episode ninety s three oh four. So if all goes according to plan, I will have watched the finale of True Detective season four by the time that episode comes out. Uh, man, it's 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 fine. It just should not. It should, has no business calling itself True Detective. I read an article today being like, you're not alone. Episode four of True Detective had serious problems. <laughs> like, that sucks. Like, how do they get through that? Like, how did they get to that point? Where they're just going to put out so a the, real bad episode that everyone hates. But it's not just a bad, it's not that it's a bad episode. Like the, the author was actually being like trying to be like pretty measured in this, which was just sort of like, you're pres- the, the fault of is yours for calling this show True Detective Night Country. If you just called it Night Country. <laughs> and like you could have like done your little show and people would not have held you up against like the True Detective lens. And you're like, so True Detective for right or for wrong has been a, a detail-oriented show all the time where you're like, every little thing matters. Every little like piece of like whatever is there is a clue. Like it's, it's just like dense and a lot going on. In episode four, they were like, here's the thing that happens in episode four. In the span of a day, a woman walks out to the ice floe naked, dies, is found by the Coast Guard. Remember, this is in 30 Days of Night, so it's pitch black. It's found by the Coast Guard and is identified as a character's sister by evening that day. And they're like, and they were just sort of like, not only is this bonkers, and like, like one of the whole things is like often like getting really into like the denseness of police work is something that you do in the True Detective series and all three seasons is really just like police work's crazy and it takes a long time and like send this off and you don't hear back from it for two or three episodes. You're like, you also, you're, you're not being true to your own writing because in that same episode, you say that like all of the men and part of the townsfolks are out there on the ice looking for this other guy. So they're like, you, ha- you didn't have to insert a weird magic Coast Guard. You could have made the search party that you've established in the first three episodes find this character. You just introduced another thing for no reason. And it would still be a bit of a stretch that they... And it also would have made sense that they would have found the girl and identified it as someone's sister. Because like, if it was a townsfolk that found it, mm-hmm. presumably they would know and be able to like, identify the body. But just like a random Coast Guard off the coast of Alaska in the middle of the night found and identified a body in the span of like two hours in pitch black. That they weren't looking for, right? She hadn't been reported missing. You're like, why? <laughs> like, it's just like, and you also only have six episodes. So why did you bother with all of this weird, like, neandering thing when you could have just like integrated it into that same story element into other scenes? It's, it's freaking weird. She and she calls a person, and they talk, and she's supposed to be in like a safe and secure location, but she's outdoors. And they're like, all right, I'll see you later. And a lot of people were just like, I'm not a cop. And I can tell when someone calls me from outside on a phone versus inside in a secure location. Like, phones sound differently in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And you have her, like, in the wind, like, whoosh. I'm like, I can hear it as a viewer. Why does the cop not say, like, you're outside right now? You're not in the secure facility that I left you at. Ugh. It's just It's just dumb things that... Like I said, you're you're not being a super serious detective show. You're being a fun little paranormal detective show in, in Alaska. 
which would is, be a fine thing. You just don't need to call it True Detective. The paranormal stuff is for realsies. I mean, I'm sure they're going to yank the they're going to try to explain it but four episodes in it's crazy there's a spiral one of the characters has dreams she can see dead people and she's like the cop but i mean but so could rest right like mm-hmm. it, season one handled that kind of weirdness with i think a lot more grace and subtlety than season two is uh yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't seem great mm-hmm. you know yep i i kind of wish that if it, it does at this point that it is supernatural because explaining it away is not supernatural feels like you were lying to me for four episodes. Like, cause you're going out of like, it's so overtly trying to be like, this could be a Cthulhu thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it better be a Cthulhu thing at this point, because if it's not, you're wasting my time with all of the like spiral symbolism and special rocks and like weird locations and like, a guy who's all cracked out on heroin being like, we all live in the night country now. I'm like, have that mean something and have it mean something weird. Not just be the ramblings of a drug addict. Like, that's the only way this will be satisfying to me. It's not worse if it ties into the first uh, first season and then, like, clearly, definitely puts Cthulhu monsters on the table. Well, I mean, I think Nick uh, Pizzolato has disavowed everything to do with it. He says, I'm only on as an EP because it, I get a paycheck out of it and it's my show. I had nothing to do that with the premise, a... nothing to do with the script, was not consulted on any of it. It was just that they were like, they kind of they said like, we're, we're, well, they were they were kind of saying like, we're optioning your thing. And I took the money from them kind of optioning my thing. And that involves an EP credit. He's like, let's be clear. They could have done it without me. <laughs> Instead, I took a paycheck. Like, which is fine. I mean, I get that for him. Like, HBO owns the rights to the IP. They they do not need his sign-off if they're going to say, would Nick, like, executive producer to give him a, throw him a slice of the pie. That means he gets royalties and all that shit. Like, uh, I bet they weren't expecting him to come out and say sure. that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, think he was, I don't think he was planning on it. <laughs> It only he only said that like last week after three episodes where he was like some of this is dumb and I want you to know that I had nothing to do with it because it was like I think he it all started because people were saying like oh it was apparently based on a treatment that he wrote and he was like nope not at all like this is not based on anything I've written said or done at all. like period. Yeah, he has he has a couple of like weird like scathing things to say about it. And he, uh, one of them was just sort of like he was like if things don't make sense, don't blame me. <laughs> like was like signing off the tweet or whatever the heck it was. Yikes. Uh. Mm-hmm. Ah, any other uh timely main episode content that we want to get to before we uh, we hit garbage time? Uh did garbage you guys see day. just real quickly, did you guys see Fox News completely melt down saying that Taylor Swift is a government agent determined to throw the election in favor of Joe Biden before the Super Bowl and the Biden campaign has rigged the Super Bowl for the Chiefs to win it in order to get her the biggest possible stage. And these are not crazy crackpot guests. These were news anchors on Fox saying this. It was Tell me more. Would you like to know more? (laughs) It was crazy because there's a, a video of Swift talking with her parents being like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to stay out of politics and I know that half the country is, is Republican, but like this guy is a bad person. He like does things that I'm specifically against and I'm, I don't want to see that happen again. And then all of a sudden just Fox news lost their minds. Like, I'm I'm used to the crazy shit that comes out of their mouth, but there's some clips out there of them actively saying this is a conspiracy. The NFL has rigged it for the government to have Taylor Swift have the largest audience come out and endorse Biden, which she hasn't done and hasn't said she was going to do. They just, if you hate Trump, you, you this must be a conspiracy. It was wild, guys. Look up the clips of Fox news talking about it. It's unbelievable that they said this out loud with a camera on them for Fox news. It was unbelievable. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy. That's so weird. What a, what a fun, what a fun, cool place. America is. 
it is it is what like ten years into dealing with the idea of President Trump, and it is pretty rare for me to see a, a news story that makes me go like, "What the fuck are they talking about anymore?" And this one did it. It was just like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. I think like. I never, like, obviously, I never, like, treated them seriously in any way, shape, or form. But, like, where, when I, when my brain was, like, oh, they're just, they're just saying stuff at this point was the green M&M thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Tucker Carlson talking about them, like, making the sexy green M&M or whatever. And, like, devoting, like, actual time on a, on an editorial show. I was, like, oh, they're just, they're just saying anything now. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, it literally is, like, fill the time with every stupid idea you have. <laughs> like, I wonder if there's, like, a, I know there's not supposed to, I think, be a writer's room necessarily for <laughs> news. But, like, in the writer's room for Fox News, do they just, like, they're like, what, what's up this week, guys? What can we say? Like, and just, like, a one-upmanship of, like, let's just say crazier and crazier shit to just push ratings and make sound bites and, and get clicks and, like... What makes you think I, that doesn't happen? I said, I said, I wonder if, I said, I wonder if, no, I'm, I'm sure there is a newsroom, but I'm just saying, but if it's like, it it appears like a writer's room, exactly. I'm saying, but if like, it's a lot more of like a 30 rock style writer's room than any kind of real, like news establishment. And it's just dudes being like, lol. They put her in sneakers. Can you believe what we said? The M&M's wearing sneakers now. Exactly. I don't like that she isn't sexy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even the after all of that, thing you could ever make a person say on national television. <laughs> they made an Eminem frumpy, and I don't like it. I preferred her when she was sexy. Not even frumpy. Just twenty-two-year-olds don't wear white pumps anymore. <laughs> they just—they gave her some Air Force Ones. That's that's what what people wear. Oh, that's the weirdest. Stay tuned for this 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 kind of content on Garbage Time. You can access on 9to5cc slash no, patreon.com slash 9to5cc Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.